Hi everybody, you're listening to 15 in 15, a short series of podcasts commissioned by the Association of Contextual Behavioural Science to promote Worldcon 15 coming up this year in Sevilla in Spain. My name's Richard Bennett and I'll be doing 15-minute interviews with some of the movers and shakers from this year's conference in the service of helping you get the most out of it. For this first episode, I got chatting to Steve Hayes about the journey that the ACBS conferences have taken over the years and about his pre-conference workshop, Act 2. Now, the attentive listeners amongst you will notice that interviewing Steve provided an immediate challenge to my 15-minute limitation. So I like to think of this as me modelling psychological flexibility as you listen to a half an hour of me talking to Stephen Hayes. So, hi Steve, thanks very much for joining me. Oh, I'm very glad that we're doing this. I'm excited about the upcoming conference and uh, I think it's uh, brilliant. We've got people uh, thinking about uh, what would happen if they come. Well, I'm sure probably anyone who's listening to this probably knows who you are. Um, but I wonder, would it be good to just say something about what, what you're doing right now and kind of, um, you know, what's, what's taking up your time just at the moment? Oh, sure. Well, my name's Steve Hayes and I'm, um, you know, I'm a... Uh, trained as a clinical psychologist and a behavior analyst and uh, was always interested in basic processes. And all these years later, yeah, none of those things have uh, changed. The kinds of things that I'm doing now that are different, let's say, than 10 years ago. Well, I'm really very interested in how we put it all together. So the not just writing about the big picture, but, but trying to find the things that are sort of catalytic, that glue things together. So I've spent many hours trying to uh, get on top of uh, modern evolution science and build bridges with the people there. I find that I'm doing more also with uh, trying to bring RFT into places where um, uh, it could be uh, of use, not just clinical, but also connecting with uh, basic uh, behavioral science and cognitive science and neuroscience. My personal focus is on how we come into community to build a progressive tradition, you know, taking what I thought was a very, very important tradition of this contextual behavioral tradition that looked to me as though it was sort of going into a cul-de-sac and finding a way out for it. And I think ACBS has done that and done that in a way that knows how to make friends and have fun and to be both humble and bold at the same time. And, uh, you know, aware of our deficiencies and how much we don't know, but yet committed to, as we say, building uh, behavioral science more worthy of the challenge of the human condition. So that's uh, what I spend my day doing um, and supporting the community around the world. That's what I spend my day doing. And uh, so turning our attention to Seville, uh, so this is the 15th such world conference. Yeah, that must be quite a thing. It really starts, the numbers start adding up, you know, and it was, uh, people probably know the story of origin, you know, it was really a, an attempt to repair after the horror of 9-11 and do a conference that was big enough to sort of meet uh, evil with good. And especially in the modern uh, world, when you look around you, and I don't have to look very far, I just have to pick up my newspaper and read about what's going on in my own country. Uh, that horror has not uh, uh, left us, and the you know, we as a human community need to fight. Uh, well, fight, is that right? Need to really work hard together to figure out how to move the world in a positive direction. And behavioral science 
to be honest, is more important than any other area of science, in my opinion. I mean, some of the things that people feel overwhelmed by are due to the science and technology mixing things up and, and, and in a good way. But, you know, you have people from all around the world. You can see anything going on in the world in a matter of seconds. And that's so disorienting to people that, uh, you know, some people want to pull in their arms and legs and get in their shell and threaten and hold people out and uh, try to undermine the threat of difference. And um, we have to be kind of on the side of figuring out how to create modern minds for the modern world. And um, if we don't do it, you know, the technologists and physicists and chemists just are at a loss. So the behavioral science uh, community is uh, much, much more important as the years go on. It becomes clearer and clearer that uh, we need to evolve as a human culture. So, so you know, never more relevant, I guess, that, that this gathering that we're having in Seville. It's never more relevant. You know, it starts with 9-11, and uh, here we are 15 years later, and uh, moving around the world, you know, there's uh, 8,300 or so members, bounces up and down of uh, ACBS, but there's chapters all around the world, 27 different national chapters in 18 different languages. There's somewhere around three to four million books that are ACBS related in print in uh, more than 18 languages. And uh, so, you know, we're just a little corner of the world, but you never should uh, underestimate what you can do by working together and where things will go. I mean, connections have happened in the cultural development area where cognitive science area, uh, evolution science area that have proven to last and build in those 15 years. So uh, what are we going to do this year that will be of importance 15 years from now? And will it be moving the world forward? I mean, I don't know. Let's see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, you know, I imagine that your conference is always a pretty busy time. Uh, you're going to be uh, buzzing around doing this, that and the other. And as uh, as we speak today, we don't yet have the final uh, schedule. But I, I do know that you're, you're doing a two-day pre-conference workshop, um, process-based ACT, uh, an intermediate ACT 2 workshop. Um, I'm going to declare an interest here because I've, I've been to an iteration of this workshop in London. Um, but I, I, I'm interested interested for you to kind of tell the listeners what what act two is all about and how that might differ from some basic trainings that they've been to well i think the whole of uh psychotherapy and um, uh intervention science is changing uh, especially in the area of uh, uh, quote mental health unquote you know we've gone from an era of protocols for syndromes being the dominant uh, structure for not just the science of it, but also even the application of it. You know, I'm I'm an expert in X, and the X is probably going to be a DSM syndrome, and you know, my clinic or my work uh, has focused on Y, and it's probably a list of such syndromes. And um, when you talk about your orientation, it'll be probably a list of the protocols you know well. You know, the CBS community has always been very skeptical of that. Um, because of the this pull of structuralism over functionalism. It would be fine if it worked. I mean, there's, there's nothing incoherent about the strategy. Focus on signs and symptoms, and you might be able to get, 
you know, etiology course in response to treatment. In other words, you might be able to fig- figure out what the functional units are. And um, the alternative tradition, though, that uh, CBS comes from is this more process-oriented approach of trying to figure out the basic behavioral principles and, and with the addition of RFT, the cognitive uh, principles and with the addition of a focus on evolutionary ideas, uh, the biological and cultural uh, principles that together go to make up the constellation of things that you're seeing. Well, you, you know, if even NIMH doesn't want to fund it anymore. Uh, it's collapsed of its own weight. Uh, DSM-5 was, you know, more a cause for a giggle than a applause or a sneer, depending on your a particular emotion of choice, uh, even, and, even and the scientists know it's a failed enterprise. So um, what are we going to do? What CBS has always been about is trying to figure out uh, high precision, high scope, high depth principles and ways to combine them into uh, functional analyses, a new form of functional analysis of complex uh, human behavior. Well, that change is now happening right in front of us, things that we fought for. I'll give you an example. I mean, the very first randomized trial, tiny little thing, very humble, poorly done in some ways, but you know, you have to start somewhere. Uh, Rob Zettel's uh, dissertation uh, included the elements and, and to do a mediational analysis, and we didn't even have the word mediational analysis. There wasn't even the statistical methods developed to do it. We had to go back later and do it properly. but. Uh, we are, as a community are sitting on more data about moderators and mediators and the uh, processes of change than any other area that you can name that is consistent and successful in across an incredible range, not just of psychopathology, but of behavioral health problems, but not just that, of uh, human development issues from sport to uh, you know organizing your um, business. Um, so we are now at a place where intellectually and practically the entire world is moving in a process-based direction well to me we ought to grab that and run with it we ought to encourage our colleagues but we ought to also take act and look inside and and it's always been there so it's not a radical change but it's something you might want to do as an intermediate level or even advanced level if you have learned the protocols the moves you have some of the uh, you know, you have some diffusion techniques. You know how to do creative hopelessness when it's needed. You've got uh, values. Well, and you've got case conceptualization tools, you know, from the hexagon model to to a choice point to the matrix to you know, whatever your uh, preferred things are. I think we need now to move to a place where I've seen skilled act people go which is all the processes are open to you at any time. So if you come to the Act 2 workshop and you have just a reasonable set of skills, I would say the ticket in should be you've done some workshops, you've read some books, and you've treated some clients, and you have some methods in each of the major areas of Act work. You don't have to be an expert, but if you're far enough along to do that, then what I will try to teach people in the workshop is that you can go in any direction with any client at any time and have it be potentially successful. I'll describe a graduation exercise. You want me to describe the uh, yeah. 
the uh, we do a thing called hexadancing, which is usually mm-hmm. towards the end of the workshop, and I and I do it not as a role play. I do it as a real play. Somebody who really wants to work on something comes up, and we try to do some work in about twenty minutes, short but not really short, and see if we can actually make a difference there. The person knows, but they can't see, but the audience, whole audience can, that behind their scenes are random presentations of psychological flexibility processes. And my job is to do important work while fairly quickly moving in the direction of whatever the screen says. And you've seen this, Richard, you know kind of yeah. uh, how it works. I, I've done it about 22 times I've had one that kind of didn't work out maybe a couple that were that were good but and then a whole bunch of them that are just just like cool I mean it's almost like you know God is up there sequencing the random presentation and to me it's just an example of where you end up after doing this two-day workshop of being able to read the processes, shift towards the processes, stay on them, change away from them, move in any direction at any time. It's like a fighter knowing how to, or, or a karate uh, uh, black belt, knowing how to use any one of the scores or even hundreds of methods that they've used at any time with an opponent. Uh, in this case, the opponent is human misery, not the person you're working with. But uh, it turns out you can not only do it, it opens up a style of practice and a vision for practice that is very liberating. And you see the world differently. You see yourself differently. You start seeing in these very moments, like the ones we're having right now, that all of these processes are present, both on the positive and negative side. And and you can bump things instead of doing things in the big chunks that are common in protocols where you dive into uh, two, three sessions of diffusion. It's fine to do that. And I'm saying don't do that. Um, now, there's no data saying that these rapidly shifting kinds of things are, are better. But there are data showing that all of the processes are relevant. If you trim any of the processes out, you get an overall weaker effect. We've just published something in behavior research and therapy showing that deliberately uh, using only the middle and left of the hexagon or only the middle and right. And you can see in the pattern of results that you need both. And so um, I think you can see it also in the psychological flexibility measures. We have now fairly large longitudinal uh, assessments that include not just, let's say, the AAQ, but a number of different measures that target in on specific flexibility processes. And you can always account for more of the variants if you add them in and they they go together, but they're all needed and they change across time and predict positive outcomes. Well, can we bring that into the spirit of the clinical work that we're doing? Even if you only have one session, if you're in primary care, can you, you know, pick a flexibility process and bump it forward based on the overall need of the client and the opportunities in the moment that the client gives you? So uh, act two is um, the difference between dancing with numbered footprints uh, stuck to the floor and uh, dancing with the stars. I mean, it's, it's the difference between creating as you go, reading, changing, uh, uh, flowing, 
always with a view towards the functional outcomes you're trying to achieve. Uh, or, um, you know, a, a trudge or a march where you know exactly the direction you're going and, mm-hmm. you know, exactly the route you'll follow to get there. Now, I took a number of things from from the workshop myself, but there's one thing that I just wanted to kind of ask you about. It was, a, it was just something you said that really stayed with me, that, that with all of the, with these processes uh, available to you and, and the, the richness that, that an interaction with a client brings, the only mistake you can make is to get stuck. It really is. I mean, if... And it and why would we get stuck? We get stuck sometimes out of our stubbornness. Oh, I'm just going to do diffusion, and it's not working. Well, it turns out diffusion is supported by. That's why all those lines are in the hexagon. It's an empirical fact that each of these processes are supported by the other processes. That's why you can say it's a single overall target. Psychological flexibility and inflexibility is a is a constellation. It's like a box with sides, and so to. So part of it is stubborn stubbornness. Part of it is that your client will pull from you moves that are not necessarily what is needed for them to create progress, but but rather just give you obvious uh, cues for a particular issue. Yeah, but the person may not be able to move on that issue by just going directly at the issue. You may need to move the supports. It's kind of like if you wanted to take down a building. And uh, somebody told you, uh, you know, gave you a wrecking ball and so forth. You you would you would really want to think about where are the supports in any given moment. And if you give it a whack and it tilts, the next whack may need to be in a very different place that's not obvious. Uh, yeah. So it's like that. We're kind of the metaphor I've sometimes used is uh, maybe it's another uh, uh, fall down metaphor. I don't know why I'm doing that, but uh, you know, it's like. If you stand on the ocean and the waves wash in, you know, it washes away the sand underneath your feet and eventually you topple over. And uh, it's kind of like that. Where are we best targeting? And the other kind of stubbornness I I, I think that can happen is you don't know how to get out. You open the door to something. Mm -hmm. It may have looked reasonable. And... uh, and then you're into some sort of argument. Next thing you know, you're trying to convince the client. Next thing you know, you're kind of frustrated with your client and you're pushing on your client. And, you know, uh, what that is a sign of is not knowing how to get out. It's like a fighter getting stuck in a corner. He's getting pummeled and, and you need to get out of the corner. So what we teach in the workshop are all these ways to avoid getting stuck. And just... It, you know, really, it could almost be just do something different, you know, variation and selection. But but we can actually teach you the methods and we'll come up with little micro exercises, you know, Richard, from having done it. I've sort of broken it, this whole task up into, you know, a dozen or so little small exercises. And some of them are very, very small. And um, I keep adding them, you know, little kind of... Uh, the whole workshop is done with practice and feedback. Uh, there's very little rule giving. There's there's situation creation. Uh, I will always be willing and often will do whatever it is I'm asking people to do. I figure if I can't do it, I can't train it. And it's not fair to ask of others what I'm not willing to do myself. But then most of it is done in pairs and, and, and groups of four. And uh, people will give it a go and then get feedback from their peers. 
And so we learn, uh, instead of learning in a heavily rule-based way, we learn through a shaping-based way, which we know from research actually going back in the CBS tradition that you get uh, more variation and more flexibility to situations when you learn that way. Actually, Marsha Linehan, Erwin Rosenfarb, and myself did a study on that and published it before there was an act and before there was a DBT. And uh, you can see it in both act and DBT. I think this kind of, uh, you know, trying to uh, go with the flow and use uh, experience shaping feedback. Uh, so the workshop is organized in a way that fits the purpose of the workshop as well. Okay, thank you very much. Um, just before we leave, um, I don't want us to ignore the fact that we're going to Spain. So I just wondered if you have uh, if anything you want to say about that, being in Spain or you've got some Spanish credentials you want to show off or talk about the time you last intentionally slept in the afternoon. Or <laughs> Well, I've been married to two Latinas. Does that count? No, I think the connection to Spain, you know, Spain has been kind of a uh, crucible for some of the most creative work in RFT and in ACT and in their interconnection of any country in the world. Uh, some of that just comes out of the brilliance of people like Carmen Luciano and the people that she's trained. And, and they're very bold. They're willing to sort of take an idea and, well, if that's true, then this true, then this true, then this true, and then do a study that's four steps out. Uh, sometimes, to be honest, they don't give the, the attention that they're, they should, because when you go four steps out like that, sometimes people won't see until years later. Oh, I see it. Oh, I see how important that is. And in fact, the uh, citation uh, data on the Spanish uh, work sometimes shows that you know, things lie for a while and then they come back in. And so I find myself regularly referring people to the, the work that the Spanish is doing and and you'll find also that uh, the Spanish work is more process oriented. It has always been less protocol oriented and more, you know, diving down. So for example, uh, a piece of work that I think is inf influencing the whole ACT community that came out of Spain, this sense of self that is based on these uh, tactic uh, frames, uh, that was an early claim even before there were data that making sense of spirituality paper in 1984 laid out the first paper that sort of laid out the vision of act and rft where you could kind of see where it was going to go uh, we didn't call it tactic didn't have the name for it but uh perspective taking and the sense of self uh and in the exercises early on it included two things it included this sort of framing of difference or distinction the sort of i'm not that um where this sort of observer perspective, looking at content uh, and seeing it distinct from self. But it was also done in a hierarchical way. I mean, these early works of, you know, you're like a house with furniture in it. You're like a bucket with objects put in it. You're like a table with things put on it. And what the Spanish have shown is that if you don't do both hierarchical, because containment is a hierarchical relation, you know, if you think of uh, something like I'm a house that contains, you know, that's a hierarchical relation between something larger and its elements. And so I'm a whole human being that contains anxiety and contains values and, and thinking of self that way. You know, they did the work to show that if you don't do both, 
if you don't include in your work, not just frames of distinction, but also frames of hierarchy, you actually get poorer outcomes. That's very cool. And, and, and it's one of those ones, there's a number of them, but when people say, ah, oh, RFT is not linked to ACT, I'm going, uh, A, uh, yes it is, because they developed together. I mean, I, they, in the earliest research work and conceptual work, but B, you can see right in front of you, people doing RFT studies that change how ACT is done around the world. So how, uh, you know, I understand that our, ACT is not a bottom-up expression of, but you know, the whole bottom-up model is part of what CBS is trying to add to in this reticulated model because traditional behavior analysis got stuck by waiting for the basic people to do all the work on language that was needed. And it was the clinicians who started that, you know, RFT came out of clinical needs, not out of the, you know, the work being done by, uh, you know, JAB types. So, uh, Spain is exciting as a one. It's a wonderful place anyway. I've been there multiple times, and Seville is awesome. But Spain, as a part of the CBS community, uh, they're very close to the beating heart of the CBS community, and and also where the community I think is going to go, in the sense of uh, really hanging on to process, but in a very practical way but in a very creative way so that we as a community can just keep getting better and better in the basic principles that we're applying, but also how we apply them, the creative ways that we apply them and then test them to see if that's a, a good extension uh, of these uh, basic principles. So um, time to go to Spain. Speaking of time, you've encouraged me to be very flexible with my 15-minute rule, so so that's great. Uh, thanks very much, Steve. Um, it only remains for me to say, and I've been working on this, uh, nos vemos en Sevilla. We'll see each other again in Seville. I'll see you there, my friend, and I'll see any of my other friends. Thank you very much. Adios. Adios.